God is working and wants to show you his love today. And I want to say welcome. Welcome to Saddleback Church. Welcome to our online family that is joining us. We're in part number four of a message series called Better. Can we say that together? Better. Better. Better is better. In fact, we've been talking about that this whole series that so often when we start a new year, we have this idealized version of what our lives are going to become. We set lofty goals. We want to lose all the weight. We want to make progress in our career. We want to have that perfect job, perfect look, all of it. And so often that perfection or that idealized image of what we'll become leaves us frustrated because we start and we don't make the kind of progress that we want to make. So we've been saying that better is better. Really what we mean by that is progress is better than perfection. We can make progress in every area of our life and that progress, when you over time make progress, it adds up. So throughout the series, we've been going through different categories. I want to review a bit if you're just joining us so you know. We started in the first week talking about better vision. And we said this year we're going to frame the year with vision, knowing that God has a vision for our lives collectively. God has a vision for you personally. And then we talked in the second week about habits. And I want you to see this big diagram here that kind of uh, outlines where we've been. Habits talk about the, the baseline in our lives that so often if we try to make progress but we don't have good habits, we fall back to the, the habits in our lives. And then last week, Stacy did an incredible job uh, talking about the subject of mindsets. In fact, Pastor Rick Warren said to her, that ball is still soaring over the fence. And I agree. It was an awesome message. So she talked about mindsets and then finally, uh, today and the next week, we're going to talk about priorities and decisions. And today what I want to do is I want to talk about your priorities, of how you set priorities with your life. But I want you to know that this message is deeply personal for me. When I started in my role, Pastor Rick <clears throat> said to me, he said, Andy, there's no way that you can get it all done. There, there's more to be done than can ever be done. And you can give your, your, your whole life to Saddleback Church and still not get it all accomplished. And he was saying to me, Andy, what you have to do in this role is you have to set priorities. So the last six months, I've been learning as my responsibilities have increased stepping into this role, how do I set better priorities? Now, when we look at the Bible, the Bible teaches us so much about priorities. In fact, the way the Bible teaches is through words, specifically the word better and the word first. So whenever you're reading through the Bible, if you take a highlighter or a pen and you circle the word first or the word better, those words are emphasizing priorities. So what I'd like to do to warm us up today, to kind of get us in the frame of mind thinking about things that are first and things that are better, I'd like to play a game together. You guys ready for this? You ready for some interaction? Everybody ready today? Okay. You can participate online as well. We'd like for you to join us. The first game that we're going to play is the, we're going to talk about what is first for you. And I'm going to give you two categories, and I'll invite you to raise your hand. Uh, which of these two in the category do you do first? So let's start with brushing your teeth or drinking coffee. How many of you would say you brush your teeth first before you drink the coffee? These are the people that you want to sit by at church. How many of you would say you're the kind of person you drink the coffee first, just raise them up high? 
okay? I'm with you. I have a toothbrush everywhere. I have a toothbrush in my car, in my office. I carry a toothbrush in my bag. It gets gross. My wife often reminds me of Job 19.17 in the Bible. There's a Bible verse that says, my breath is repulsive to my wife. So <laughs> if anybody else can relate, that's, I'm there with you. It just doesn't make sense. Like you brush your teeth and then go drink coffee. It just doesn't make sense. So, all right, next one. When it comes to big news, are you the kind of person that shares big news first with your friends or big news with your family? Okay, how many of you would say you share big news first with your friends? Out of curiosity, students are raising their hands right now. How many of you would say you share it with your family first? M most people in this service share it with their family first. Okay, this next one is designed for all of our students and this was in particular for my kids. Um, how many of you would say you do homework first versus TikTok, okay? Who would say homework first, just out of curiosity? Parents are raising their hands for their kids. They're lifting <laughs> their hands up. How many of you say TikTok or social media first? All right, sometimes we get our priorities mixed up. But what we do first shows what our priorities is. Now, I'm gonna play another game with you. It's called The Better Game. And here's the, the way this game works. I'll show you two things. I want you to choose which of these two things is better, okay? So the first one, cats or dogs? Aw, <laughs> uh, notice, notice how they picked a good picture of a cat. Like it couldn't, it couldn't just be like a normal picture of a cat, what cats normally look like. They picked the cutest cat ever, okay? So how many of you, how many cat lovers, out of curiosity, y'all can, can pet your cats together. Um, how many of you are dog people, raise way more dog people? See, this is just, this is just evidence, you know, the, the majority rules. We all know what the better animal is. Notice, um, notice here at Saddleback, you know, again, I love cats, God made them, but I would choose a dog. I don't have a cat. But notice, like, nobody brings their cats to service at Saddleback, <laughs> right? Outside at Lake Forest, we have, some dog, we have some dog lovers over there. We love dogs. So, all right, next one, coffee versus tea. How many of you are coffee people, just out of curiosity? A lot more. How many of you are tea people? All right. For our Great Britain extension, you like your tea? I want my tea. All right, got one more. This one, this one is for our students. How many of you, how many of you would say you are a Crocs person, just out of curiosity? Raise it. I see some Crocs over here, the bright neon green ones. And he's still wearing a Chargers jersey, so. All right, how many of you are Uggs? You'd say, I, I wear my Uggs. Okay, how many of you don't wear either of them, just out of curiosity, because a lot of hands didn't go up. How about some Converse? Any Converse yeah. folks? We should have put those up. Now, what we see whenever we look at what we do first or what we, we, we say is better or more important, we see priorities through the word first and the word better. And what I'd like to do is on the front end of our time together, I wanna frame how we think about priorities from a few verses in the Bible. Sometimes when it comes to priorities, we can start to think that priorities are about right and wrong. But that's not the case. In fact, when we're choosing better priorities, it's not about right versus wrong. It's not about choosing good and evil. In fact, oftentimes, priorities comes down to choosing between two good things. 
First Timothy chapter four, verse seven, Paul is speaking. We looked at these few verses at the beginning of our series, and he's writing to a younger Timothy, and he says this, do not waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. Instead, train yourself to be godly. So he's talking about this training that we can enter into with our character, our spiritual habits, that we can focus on the inside, our hearts. Now notice the next phrase. He says, physical training is good, but training for godliness is what? Much better. So he's saying one is more important than the other. It's not that we don't give attention to our bodies physically. It's not that it's bad to eat good. It's not that we shouldn't work out or train ourselves physically. It's just that there's one that is more important. It's much better. In fact, this one that's much better promises benefits in this life and in the life to come. So whenever you're reading the Bible, if you just circle the phrase better, it helps us understand or helps you understand what does God care about more than the other? I love this one, Proverbs 15, 17, speaking of wisdom or our lives, Solomon would write, he says, a bowl of vegetables with someone you love is better than steak with someone you hate. <laughs> Maybe you've been to Fogo de Chao before and you're, you're doing it with somebody you don't like. It's like the meal is just not good. I have a, another phrase and this is my commentary. So it's not my version of the Bible, it's just my commentary on the Bible. And I say this, steak with someone you love is better than vegetables with someone you love. <laughs> So for all of you vegans out there, I, I love you, God bless you, but we all know, meat. Listen, I, I don't know if I said this in a message here. There's a reason why in the prodigal son, when the prodigal comes home, it's not the fattened carrot, carrot, it's the fattened calf, right? So God gave us meat, we should eat it. Amen. All right. Second one, choosing better priorities is about order and timing. So it's about when we do it. And notice for Jesus, Mark 1.35, how he prioritized his time. It said, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. So Jesus, God in human flesh, when he was here on planet Earth, prioritized his time. And the thing he did first every day, the thing he did first was he spent time with his heavenly Father. And notice when you think about your time, order and timing, oftentimes you can do the same thing but do it at a different time and it doesn't have the same impact. So what I've noticed for myself personally when it comes to reading the Bible or praying, that if I start my day reading the Bible and praying, it has a different impact than if I open up my computer or I start checking email or getting into work and then I try to read the Bible and pray. My mind is cluttered, so if I order my life, if I prioritize my time, it's order and timing that shows me what my priorities are. Very early in the morning, Jesus would spend time with his heavenly Father. Now this next verse is perhaps the most important verse when it comes to priorities, especially for the message today. I want you to see in Matthew 6, Jesus is speaking, and it's in the Sermon on the Mount. And he's gone through this big description of worry and anxiety. And he says, you, you worry about all these things that you chase after. You chase after money. You chase after clothing. You ch chase after so many things. But if you would just seek first, Matthew 6, he says, seek first his kingdom and the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things will be added to you. So if you prioritize the kingdom of God and relationship with him, everything else will fall into place. 
And he's making an important point. What is the most significant thing that a human can give their life to? The most significant thing that I can give my life to is the kingdom of God, the eternal kingdom of God. So the third component, choosing better priorities, is about my definition, your definition of success. And I will suggest to you today, you have a definition of success, and that definition of success is driving your priorities. So whatever you define as success will ultimately determine what you prioritize and where you're willing to compromise. My definition of success will determine what I prioritize and where I compromise. And I want you to think about this through the angle if you're a student. If you're a student and your grades are important to you, you'll study and you'll work hard. You'll, you'll, you'll come home, you'll open your books, you'll read. But if your definition of ultimate success is a grade, if an A is the ultimate definition of success, you might be willing to compromise and cheat in order to get that A because it's your definition of success. This would be true with your career. When you think about what's most important, if the most important thing with your career is your position at a company, if that's your definition of success, you'll be able, or willing I should say, you'll be willing to let go of some things that maybe are more significant, you'll be willing to compromise with your character to get to your definition of success. So it's important, it's a vital significance to define success. And the question I want you to ask is, how am I currently defining success? How am I currently defining success in the different areas of my life? So what I've done with this is I've stepped into my new role and as I've transitioned my family from living in the Bay Area and my kids being 16, 14, and nine, I've taken time with a journal and I just write down, I am successful when dot, 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 and look at different categories of my life. So when it comes to marriage, I am successful when my wife is talking and I am listening. <laughs> I am successful when I am fully engaged with my kids. I am successful when I'm training myself physically. I'm successful when I have a Bible open and I'm asking God to speak to me. I'm successful when I obey the voice of God and what he's asked me to do. And that definition of success starts to bring into clarity my priorities. It helps me understand what is the most important thing, what is first and what is better. And it brings that clarity to the surface to understand this is how I put my life in order. This is how I prioritize. Now, what I'd like to do for the remainder of our time is I'd like to go to a passage of scripture in John chapter two, and I wanna walk through an interaction that Jesus has with his mom, his disciples, and a group of people at a wedding. And as we walk through, what I'd like to do is I wanna extract out of this story four key principles to take this idea of priorities and further clarify for you in your life what is the most important thing. And I wanna give you four big categories from this passage of scripture that can help us surface what is most important. Now in John chapter two, I want you to see this story as it starts. It says the next day there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. So this village of Cana is close to where Jesus grew up a town called Nazareth, and he's there. Jesus is there with his disciples. It says Jesus was there, with his, Jesus' mother was there, and his disciples were there, and they were also invited to the celebration. And when they come to this moment, as Jesus is there with his disciples, his public ministry hasn't started yet. 
So miracles haven't really been performed, at least publicly. Jesus has not been teaching large groups of people. The crowds are not following him yet. People don't know that he's the Messiah. They don't know his power yet. And in this moment, Jesus is just at a wedding and building relationship with his disciples. And when they get to the wedding, there's a problem that emerges. And the problem that emerges at the wedding is the fact that the wine supply, the scripture says that wine supply ran out during the festivities, so Jesus' mother told him they have no more wine. And I love this story because it helps us understand the dynamic between Jesus and his mother. Like there's this conversation that's going to ensue. And the problem is that they're at a wine, at a wedding and the wine runs out, which is in their culture, this would have been representative, like these people weren't prepared for the wedding, they, they hadn't done a good job planning, but we don't know why the wine ran out. Perhaps maybe they, it ran out because they didn't have enough and they were poor. But Pastor Buddy gave me another idea, our teaching pastor here. He said, maybe Jesus' disciples drank all the wine. Who knows? <laughs> I'd like to give him credit for that idea, by the way. And Jesus' disciples are there. Maybe this is before they've been totally transformed by Jesus. Maybe they drank the wine. We don't know. But we do know that in the story, the wine has run out. And the wine running out is symbolic. It's a problem. It's a limitation issue. And I want you to hear this because when it comes to priorities, priorities are about recognizing limitation. You and I are finite beings functioning in God's infinite universe. So God is infinite in all of his resources. He is not lacking. But you and I, we, we're finite. So we have finite amounts of time. We have finite amount of money. We have finite amounts of energy. And that limitation plays into priorities. If you had all the money in the world, you could spend it wherever you wanted. If you had all the energy that you could ever want, you could spend it where you want. If you had all the time, you could spend it. But you are finite as a human being. And oftentimes, we clarify our priorities that as we understand the limitations that exist. Let me say it like this. So if you would imagine this is your life here, and you have 168 hours a week. And this jar represents what you do with those 168 hours, and these cups represent your priorities. And when it comes to priorities, and we think about the different categories of our life, our natural tendency is just to pour into the thing that is most urgent right in front of us. And the thing that is often most urgent for most of us is our job or our studies of school. And so you've got to do this if you're a full-time employee, you've got 45, 50 hours a week, and you're trying to fill up and make sure you do a good job, and you're filling that cup up, and hopefully you're not leaking as you do, but you're filling it up. And then afterwards, you're like, okay, well, the next thing, I've, I've got people around me, I've got friends, I have family members, maybe a spouse or kids or a roommate, and you've gotta take care of that, so you spend time with those people, and you're trying to fill up that cup. And then after you get that cup filled up, you gotta take care of your physical health, and you try to fill that cup up and get some water in there. And then you also have, uh, perhaps you, you need to do some things with uh, your hobbies, like you need to drive your electric bike and enjoy that. And you need to go surfing and hiking and fill that cup up and make sure I gotta look out for me. But then it comes to like, I'm gonna worship God and spend time with him. And there's a couple drops left in there. And then I'm gonna serve at my church. And there's a couple drops. And we get to the end, and it's like, well, I don't, I don't have anything left to pour out. So we poured, but the limitation, here we are with nothing left to pour. 
And in every season of life, limitations are different. So when you're a kid or a teenager, your limitation is money, unless you like have a rich parent that's just rolling it out for you. Your limitation is money, but when you get older, your limitation is energy. You don't have quite as much energy. And then when you're in my season of life, you're kind of in between the two of those, and your limitation is time. Like there's just so much to get done and not enough time to get it all done. And the question of priorities, functioning with my limitation. And what I can begin to think is that my limitation is limiting God. But the truth is, I want you to write this down. This is not in your notes. My limitation, my limit does not limit God. So God is not refined or deduced or reduced down to my limitation. So God, in his limitless capacity, is greater than my finite resources. Ephesians 3.16 explains this. It's not in your notes. But it says this, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. I pray through his unlimited resources, he will empower you deep inside of your soul through his spirit. So as he gives us the wisdom and knowledge and strength to be able to do what he asked, but his spirit, his unlimited resources are able to empower us to prioritize within our limitations. And this story is going to be a beautiful example of how Jesus functions with the limitation and works a miracle. But he does it so beautifully. And I want you to see as we walk through this journey how Jesus responds to his mom. So his mom says, okay, there's no more wine. And he looks back at her with one word in the original language and that word is woman. Woman, that is not our problem. That is not me. That's not mine to solve. That's not my disciples to take care of. In fact, my time has not yet come. And I love this interaction because you can see the humanity between Jesus and his mom. You can see a mom telling a son what to do. The son of God. I'm going to walk over and I'm going to tell him what to do. Solve the problem. And Jesus looks back and says, that's not my problem to solve. And if you're thinking Jesus, king of all kings, like, okay, well, I walk away and that's it. He told me it's not my problem to solve, but Jesus has a mom. And I'm glad Jesus has a mom because it helps us realize, okay, there's, there's some beauty in this interaction, some humanity in it. And Jesus' mom, when she walks away from it, turns, doesn't even really listen to what he says, and turns around. And his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now, isn't that kind of ironic? Like, he says, I'm not going to do that, but he turns, she turns and says, do whatever he tells you to do. I'm not listening, but you do what he says. And this, this brilliant phrase from Mary, the mother of Jesus, is a theme verse for life. Do whatever he tells you. Whatever he speaks. And it's the first of the four principles, the four fours, is what is God saying? It's the foremost question. What is most important is what God says. That's the priority. So what God will do from time to time with our priorities is he will move the cups around. And there will be a moment where God will say, right now the thing I want you to focus on is your physical health because you've got a bad report and that needs all of your energy. Or there will be a moment where God will say, well, you have teenagers right now and they need you and that cup needs to be at the front. But if I'm not listening to God, I'll miss the thing that is most important in this season of my life. God is speaking, yet so often we are not listening. And it's important to recognize God speaks 
And he wants people to hear his voice. He speaks three ways. I want you to write these down. God speaks through his word, the word of God. He speaks through the spirit of God and the people of God. This could be a whole message series about hearing the voice of God. God is able to speak no matter what your background is spiritually, no matter what your age is, no matter what brokenness you brought to church today, God wants to speak to you. He is a loving father that wants to guide and direct our lives. And the voice of God is the most important voice when it comes to priorities. Because when I listen to the voice of God, he'll call me, he'll show me the thing that he wants me to give energy to. Mary says, do what Jesus tells you to do. Listen to his voice. That's the priority. But it doesn't stop there. She continues, and it says, um, the story continues. It says, standing nearby were six jars, and these jars were stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial cleansing. Each could hold 20 to 30 gallons of water. Jesus told the servants, fill the, water, fill the jars with water. Now, notice these big jars that are like 30 gallons, each, jar, or each gallon of water would have been about six pounds. So this would have been a lot of weight for them to carry. And Jesus says, I want you to take this big stone jar, go out to the well, fill it up with water, bring the water back. And in this moment, the servants don't really know what they're doing. They just know that they're, they're being instructed by Jesus to go out to the well, come back, go out to the well, and come back. And I want you to notice from the story that Jesus does not give this command to his disciples. Jesus gives this command to the servants. And the second question, or the second category, is the category of for me. The question is, does it have my name on it? So the priority of taking the jug, the water gallons, back and forth, there was a servant whose name was on it that Jesus gave them the instruction to do it. And God will give you, God will give me clarity on there are certain things that have my name on them, there are certain things that have your name on them, and so often when it comes to priorities, the thing that gets us confused, the thing that gets us overwhelmed is we start doing things that don't have our name on them. It's funny to me as I've stepped into this role, I'm so grateful for all my friends throughout my entire life who've ever had my cell phone who've messaged me once I got this role here at Saddleback. It's awesome, I'm so grateful for that. Lots of people, lots of text messages. Friends offering help, invitations to go speak places, People that never wanted to be my friend before. It's great. I love it. Uh, no offense taking, seriously. I, I, I understand. But what's, what's been interesting is I've gotten, a, I've gotten a lot more requests to go speak other places now that I've gotten into this role. And one of the questions that has come up in my mind is, does that invitation have my name on it? And the answer is no. There are so many people that can go out and speak and do a better job than I could at conferences. It doesn't have my name on it. But when God called me to Saddleback Church, God called Stacy here, God put us in this role. This role has my name on it. It's an assignment that God gave to, to me for this season to say, I want you, Andy, this, this is the assignment. It has your name on it. So if you're out there doing all these other things, you're pursuing all these other priorities aside from what I gave you to do, what I've asked you to do, you'll miss the miracle that I wanna perform in and through your life. And so often in our journey, we're pursuing so many things that don't have our name on it. 
And one of the most helpful things that you can do when it comes to setting priorities is to create a stop doing list. To say there are things in my life that I'm giving my energy to, they're not mine to do. They belong to somebody else. It's, it's another human's responsibility. It's not my responsibility. This is the thing God's asked me to do. God gives you an anointing for the assignment that he's called you to. God does not give you an anointing for other people's assignments. And when we pursue other people's assignments, our lives, our, or the order of priority gets out of whack and we get frustrated, we get exhausted, we're not as fruitful, we're not, we're not as impactful with our energy. So when it comes to parenting, I wanna speak to those of you who are parents. Fathers, you are the only dad that your kids will ever have. Nobody else's name is on that assignment. I think about that with my kids, 16, 14, and nine. I am their dad. Nobody else can step into that role. A small group leader can love them and encourage them, but they need a dad at the cup saying, how can I pour my life into this teenager's life right now? They need to hear from their dad, I love you, I'm proud of you, I'm so pleased with you. I have a, an assignment from God that needs my attention right now in this season. And there's an assignment from God for you. What is the thing, listen, what is the thing that you need to stop doing in order to listen to God first and then to focus on the things that have your name on them? What is it that has your name on it? So the clarity around my name is on it, like the servants, brings me to a better understanding of what God wants me to prioritize. Now there's two more here I want you to see. The next one is after the jars have been filled, they bring the water back in. So they're back and forth, they're carrying water jugs. And notice what Jesus says next to the servants. He says, now dip some out and take it to the master of ceremonies. So the servants followed his instructions. I want you to take a pen and underline or circle the word now. Jesus says, now dip some out and take it to the master of ceremonies. There's an act that Jesus invites them into. There's a miracle that he's performing in this moment through these servants. And the word now is so important. They don't understand at this moment the one that is with them is not just a, a, a teacher or a good man. This is the son of God in human form. And for 33 years he had come to live among us as humans, God in human flesh, there was a window of opportunity to be seized. And the third question or the third category of the four fours is for now. It's the question, is there a window to be seized right now in this moment? Because in our lives, there are windows that open and close, open and close. And so often, if we don't step into the window that God has for us right now, we miss an opportunity that God deeply cares about. I love this quote here that says, the, the, the opportunity of a lifetime must be seized in the lifetime of the opportunity. And what we can do is in our lives we can get focused on things that are in the future, we can get hung up on things from our past, and we miss now, today, in this moment. I had this moment when I was, uh, about five years ago, six years ago, I was uh, driving home one day and I was driving up my, my garage. So I had a garage, I had to park both of my cars in the garage. There's a whole long story to it. First of all, I was driving a Nissan Leaf at the time. And if you drive a Nissan Leaf, no judgment. <laughs> Seriously, no judgment. But my son said to me, the reason I don't drive a Leaf anymore is my son said, Dad, um, I'm embarrassed when you drop me off at school. 
in the Nissan Leaf. In fact, I'd, I'd prefer you to drive mom's minivan uh, 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 over the, the minivan's better than the Nissan Leaf. And so um, I drove it for a while, but during that time, I'd have to park the car in the garage to charge it, and also there was no street parking where we lived in the Bay Area, and also we didn't have a driveway. So every day, I'd drive home, and I had to work really hard to get everything situated in the garage, and it was like this long, drawn-out process. It felt like most Saturdays, I'm in the garage putting things away and putting bikes away and toys away. And one day I'm driving home, and this is like the fifth time that this has happened to me in a week. And I pull up, and there's a bike in the place where I'm supposed to park. And there's skateboards, and there's roller skates, and I'm just like so frustrated. And again, I'm like walking into the house one more time, you know, after running over their bikes. Um, <laughs> just kidding, I didn't run over their bikes. But I'm, in, I'm going into the house, and I'm like about to lay into the kids. And how many times have we had this conversation? And there was just this this whisper from God deep in my soul. And it was as if, clear as day, the Holy Spirit said to me, there's gonna be a day when you wish there were bikes in the garage again. It's here, it's gone. There's a window to be seized, so be grateful. There's a window to be seized in our lives, opportunities that are here today and they're gone tomorrow. And my, my dad says this to me all the time, my dad is in his mid-60s and he says, Andy, it just goes so fast. Seasons of life are here and they're gone. And my son, who is 16 years old, we kind of joke as a family, he hasn't gotten his license yet. And we have this back and forth conversation, when do you get your license? But if I'm honest with you, there's a part of me that doesn't want him to get his license because I'm just loving these little, these little 15 to 20 minute windows in a car with him. We talk about the Seahawks and the 49ers and little, little things that seemingly insignificant but so significant. Some of the most important moments of life in these brief 15-minute windows. Here today, gone tomorrow. And I wonder for you, what is that thing that's in front of you right now? Some of you in your 60s, you have neglected your marriage for decades pursuing your career. And you have a moment right now to lean in and love your spouse in a way that maybe you never had before. Some of you, perhaps you've been so busy and there are grandkids right around you and you would be tempted to move on to the next thing. But God is saying, I wanna use you to build a legacy in the lives of your grandchildren. Some of you who are students in your 20s, there's a brief window to emphasize and focus on your character and your spiritual habits, and you have more time to read the Bible and pray than you ever will for the rest of your life. There's an opportunity, there's a window right now. Some of you who are in your 30s, you're young, and you're not sleeping very much at night because you have these little babies that are crying, but I, I just wanna tell you, it goes so fast. It goes so fast. And I see, I see young parents from our church and staff and they've got these little kids and it's just such precious moments that are they're gone so quick. I can, I can think it seems like yesterday when they were these little babies and holding them in our arms and sometimes I'm, I'm just so futuristic that I'm on to the next thing and I feel like God has just been saying to me, don't move on to the next thing. Receive what's in front of you right now. Yes, have a future vision, but prioritize for now. What is the window that is in front of you? And sometimes, listen to this, sometimes the monotony of pouring water, it's just like I'm sitting here pouring water, it's, it's so simple, it seems so mundane, it's so 
monotonous that we can miss the miracle is in the monotony. That in the midst of what is so ordinary, God is working and stirring and moving. And these servants are going back and forth and they're taking water, but what they don't realize is in the process, in the monotony of going back and forth from the well to the wine at the ceremony, that's where the miracle is happening. In fact, it says in verse nine, when the master of ceremonies tasted the wine, when he tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, though of course the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over and said, a host always serves the best wine first. And I love that line that says, the servants knew that the miracle was being performed. And I want to speak for just a moment to those of you who serve here at Saddleback. You get to watch God move. You get to see the miraculous. When you host a small group and you say, I'm going to host 10, 12 people in my home for our new One Life campaign. When you host a small group, there's a miracle that is happening as you serve. And you get to watch the miraculous in front of you. The servants knew the miracle that Jesus performed. And I just wonder, as they're walking from one place to the next with these big jugs of water, where did it turn into wine? Like, was it they're out here pulling it in, and as soon as they pour it in, it's wine? Or was it like, okay, I've got some water, it's Chardonnay now, it's Merlot here, it's getting, like, darker as I go along? And they're like, whoa, it was water, and now it's wine. Here's water, here's wine. And they experience the miracle in the monotony of their obedience. In the mundane of their yes to Jesus, there was a miracle that he was performing. And I love at the end, it says, a host always serves the best wine first, but you have saved the best for last. And then everyone now has drank of this wine that you have saved, you have kept the best to last. And verse 11, this miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. And what I hope that we can see in this story, the vessel that Jesus was interested in filling was not the jars. That's not the vessel that Jesus was after. The disciples, the people, the servants were the vessel that Jesus was after filling. And the real miracle was not just the water and the wine. Yes, that happened. It did turn from water to wine. Jesus did it. He's able to do it. But the real miracle, the greatest miracle in this story, at the end, is when his disciples believed in him. They started to realize, ah, this is the Messiah. This is the one that we've been waiting for. This is the one that the scriptures have prophesied about, that a savior would come and hope would be here. Light has come into our darkness. We don't have to live in brokenness anymore. We don't have to live with the results of our misplaced priorities, but by the grace of God, the fact that the miracle happens as I'm pouring out the water that seems so monotonous, he's making wine, he's changing circumstances, he's changing hearts, he's changing me, and he's this eternal God that is present, and they believed in that moment. This is Jesus, the Son of God, God in human flesh, and it leads to the fourth and final final category, which is the category of forever. And it's the question, how much will this matter in the future? Now this story mattered, we're still remembering it, but what mattered more was the eternal reality of the hope that Jesus was bringing. That Jesus had come 
to make a miracle of the human heart and bring salvation to humanity so that every nation, tribe, and tongue would know the heart of God, so that every human could have the opportunity to receive salvation, so that by faith in Him, our sins could be forgiven, so that through the empty tomb, hope could come and we could spend eternity with God in heaven, so that we don't have to live in hell separated from God. This is the greatest news ever. This is the gospel message. And this is the priority. Jesus says, I've come to bring the kingdom of God, that you would seek first my kingdom and my righteousness, and everything else will fall into place. If you know me and you pursue my kingdom, you can listen to my voice. I'll give you the power you need. I'll give you the wisdom you need. I'll give you the strength you need. I'll provide when you need it. Whatever you lack, it's not my limitation. Your limitation does not limit God. He is able to take you as a human and your limited capacity, show you where he wants you to invest your life and do the miracle that you cannot do in your own power. And today there's opportunity to come to God and say, God, I need you to sort out my priorities. I need you to bring clarity. I need you to show me where you want me to give my energy. And if some of you today would be honest, you perhaps are here and you've never received the gift of salvation and you've never opened your heart to Jesus to follow him with your entire life. Today can be the day of your salvation and here's why. Because Jesus who turned water into wine would spill his blood so that you could be forgiven would conquer the grave so that you could have relationship with God and by faith in him all of your sins all of your brokenness as the Bible says can be wiped away can be wiped clean and you can stand holy and righteous before God forgiven from your past made new the scripture says that he takes us old creation makes us new turns us from death to life the moment that we put our hope in Jesus, that we turn to him and we believe in him. And I wanna invite you today, if you've never received that gift of salvation, to receive it right now in this moment. I'd like to invite you to stand with me. And I wanna invite you to receive the gift of God's salvation. I wanna invite you to receive the gift of his unlimited resource into your life. And if you will, just if you're comfortable, posture your hands today. This is a sign of surrender. And this is a sign of recognition of my limitation. These hands right here are finite. They can only do so much. But thank God I serve a limitless God that is able to supply all I need when I need it. And so I wanna invite those of you who are followers of Jesus today to tell them what you need. If it's wisdom, if it's strength, if it's the ability to persevere, tell them what you need. If you need healing, tell them you need, I need your help today. And for those of you today who've never received salvation, I wanna invite you right now in this moment to receive it. If you close your eyes and bow your heads, today as the Spirit of God is stirring inside of you, you might say a prayer that goes something like this, Jesus, I believe that you died on a cross for my sins. I believe that you conquered the grave and I wanna ask you to forgive me for my past. I turn my life to you in this moment. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.